Welcome to the Youth Ministries Podcast. Today we'll be hearing from Akil Thompson on the subject, Racism in the Church. Thanks for joining us. We hope you enjoy. All right, happy fall, everybody. This is Josh Carson, and I want to welcome you back to the Youth Ministry Podcast. We're excited to have you with us again for what is going to be, I believe, just an amazing, amazing podcast this month. I'm excited for everything that God has done in 2019. We've heard reports from so many around North America about exponential growth in your local youth ministry, on the district level with your programs, and we are just rejoicing about what God is doing. We're thankful for the fact that She's for Christ has been able to help underwrite so many different resources, including this particular podcast. And I want to say thanks again for your generous giving, helping us this year eclipse the all-time record, uh, go to a $6.7 million offering for SFC. So just uh, really appreciate you. Wherever you're at, whatever you're doing, I want you to get your heart. I want you to get your mind ready. And I want you to go ahead and open up your tablet, or if you're old school and want to grab your pen and paper, whatever it is, you're going to want to take some notes today as my, my buddy Akil Thompson shares some incredible things about racism in the church. This is just a great interview with him and our youth secretary, Brother Justin Ranking, and you are truly going to be blessed. This is a very important topic, and we appreciate Brother Thompson pastoring their uh, extraordinary church in Canada, taking the time to come on and speak. He's been a long-time speaker in youth ministry. He's one of the veterans in the game, and his ability to come in and touch on this topic. It is so extremely helpful. So wherever you're at, we always like to say a little prayer. So if you're driving, keep your eyes open. But if you're in a place where you can, go ahead, just bow your head and pray with us that the Lord can touch and minister to you through this time. Lord, we honor you. We thank you for the opportunity to be involved in ministry at any level, any capacity. Those who are aspiring today to just do everything it it can be done, everything that they can accomplish to be better, to try to employ the scripture where it tells us to study and show ourselves approved, workmen that needeth not be ashamed. Help us, O oh God, to take some of the great truths that we hear today and put them into application with our lives. We ask it in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Listen, I, I want you to be blessed, but I can tell you already, I know that you're going to be blessed. And so without further ado, my dear friend, Brother Akil Thompson, I'm going to turn the floor to you and to Brother Ranking. I want you guys to just take it away. Thank you, Brother Carson. It is a privilege and an honor to be able to speak to an audience that I believe is laden with potential and full of possibilities. There's no doubt that destiny is dripping, they're dripping with destiny. Uh, and it's an honor to be able to share on a topic that I'm very passionate about. I appreciate your leadership, not only your leadership, but the leadership of the entire executive team for the Youth Ministries of the United Pentecostal Church. I believe in our young people and our young adults, and I believe that God has brought us to a place and a time such as this so that we can make a difference for his glory. We live in a culture uh, that is broken and remarkably dysfunctional. You can look all around you and you'll notice that human life is devalued, abortion, assisted suicide, violence, sexual purity is mocked, adultery, fornication, homosexuality, pornography, 
family divorce is at an all-time high outside and inside of the church. Dishonesty, gambling, materialism. I know I'm not starting on a very positive note, but this is a very real note. Sound government has eroded courts without justice, lawmakers without wisdom, leaders without principles, biblical truths being denounced. Truth is now relative, faith is trivialized, the existence of God is debated and even rejected. Racism is also something else that we deal with. And the reality of it is, what do we do with a culture that has or continues to sink further and further into things that do not please the Lord? The question though is not really what do we do with a culture who has abandoned or forgotten God. The question is what will the church do in a day where the culture has gotten away from God? Frankly, I'm optimistic. The church was made for these times. As a matter of fact, I personally don't fear this day. I believe we've come to shape this day. The church is made to be the light of the world, the salt of the earth. The church wasn't made to exist in some fair weather harbor. She was made for the rough seas. She was made to be a city set upon a hill. She is the radiant light pointing people higher out of the problems of this world. And one of the problems of this world in and outside of the church is racism. I believe the church should be the leader of these conversations and I'm thankful that we're having conversations like this today. Racism is a painful word. Nobody, nobody wants to be labeled as such. Many actually believe that because we're many, many decades beyond the civil rights era, which is a period of history that I love to study, we somehow are uh, magically past racism, if you will. But racism is painful just simply by its definition because it literally means that one human being hates another human being based upon the God-given color of their skin. Yet we understand that everybody is created equal in God's kingdom. God created man in his own image. So why in the world would we hate somebody else who bears his image? The reality of it is, is this, it's really simple. It's a three letter word, sin. Racism is the result of sin. And we have to get to the root of the issue if we're gonna be able to talk about it. If we are followers of Jesus Christ, we will be judged by two actions, how much we love him and how much uh, or how well we demonstrate our love to others. This is really Christianity in a nutshell. Jesus said that everything hangs on these two things. But somehow, some way, the church is not necessarily practice loving others as well as we could. I want to challenge us today in, in some regards and talk about a topic, as I've already alluded to in racism, that uh, many of you may have experienced firsthand. I know I have experienced it firsthand in and outside of the church, but I've also at the same time experienced 
joy and victory and hope and healing and racial reconciliation inside of the church, which is why I believe the church should be the leader in this conversation. I believe we should come to a place where we love everybody, regardless of color, even culture. As a matter of fact, I'll take it just a step further. I preach this at our local church because I believe with all of my heart, Jesus Christ died for every living soul. And we have a fiduciary responsibility to love everybody, period. End of conversation, whether you are black, white, brown, yellow, transgender, heterosexual, homosexual, educated, uneducated, it makes no difference. We have a God-given responsibility to love you. And loving God is not enough. We must love our neighbors too. And I know this is a broad, sweeping generalization. However, when you look at the Bible, you can divide it up into two categories, people and their relationship to God, and people in their relationship to other people. Everything falls under one of those general or broad categories. However, Christians are simply guilty of, of mindsets of the world. We were born into sin. And if we're not careful, we will buy into the, uh, the notion that we should only connect with and do life with and love people that look like us act like us, talk like us, uh, listen to the same genre of music like us, whatever the case may be. But God wants to stretch us in this regard. For many, I, I, I believe that racism is rooted in pride. We can often believe that we are greater or better than somebody else because of our arrogance we can be partial and sinfully prefer others who are not like ourselves. And James obliterates this notion that we would do something like this. He says, don't do that as a matter of fact. But at times the displays of racism can be blatant and sometimes it's what I consider to be passive bigotry. And even then beyond passive bigotry, it can be hidden away in our hearts. The hard truth is that racism and the way it strips people of their dignity will ultimately only be remedied at his return and we're all together in heaven. But this is why the church must be a safe place for difficult conversations about race. race. We must not be afraid to discuss it. Can I just tell you the world is not bashful in sharing their opinion and how they frame the racial construct and narratives in our world. And we have a responsibility as leaders of young people and young adults to have these conversations. First of all, let me say this too, because we need to remember that God is not intimidated by our questions and he is the answer and he provides the answer. So all the more we need to be willing to facilitate these conversations in a loving, safe place where we can see what God says about this. and be a proponent of racial reconciliation where there is dysfunction or where racism is prevalent. We cannot be passive, just like temptation and pride and arrogance and everything else you can think of. We need to confront it and fight it with the truth of God's word. Do not make the assumption that something is you or your friends or uh, 
responsibility. We cannot ignore racism. As a matter of fact, as leaders, and I believe I'm speaking to an audience of leaders, the one thing that made David special when Israel was confronted with the challenge of facing the giant, they all knew, all saw that something needed to be done. But David saw something needed to be done and then did something about it. The reality of it is we can see uh, racism and bigotry, whether it be on your school campus, whether it be in the employment field that you're in. The reality of it is we see it, we can even see it in the church at times, but the question is, are we going to do something about it? Today, it's my hope and prayer that this podcast will call you, it'll be a call to speak, a call to listen, a call to pray, because we are the body of Christ and we must learn to function well with one another, mourn with those who are mourning, weep with those who are weeping and rejoice with those who are rejoicing. It's clear, it's remarkably clear. First John 4.20 says, if a man say, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have we from him, that we, that he that who loveth God, loveth his brother also. Also goes on to say in Acts 17, God that made the world hath made of one blood all nations of men for to dwell on all the face of the earth. And then Paul says in 2 Corinthians 4, 17, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither bond nor free, there is neither male nor female, for ye are all one in Christ Jesus. Can we just get this out here now? The gospel is for everybody. The gospel is for everybody. It is for black, white, yellow, red, and brown. Jesus went on to say, go ye therefore and teach all nations. All means all. <laughs> he went on to tell us that repentance and remission of sins should be preached in his name among all nations. He goes on, whoever sins you remit, they are remitted unto them. Uh, you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Acts 1.8. What we have, this gospel of Jesus Christ, the life, the death, and the resurrection is for everybody. And so therefore, the church should be a reflection of that. Now, let me be clear. If you are in a mono-ethnic community, I am not suggesting and I'm not trying to place a burden on you uh, that you create a pseudo multicultural church. But I do believe your church should reflect your community. I do believe your youth ministry should reflect your community. I do believe we need to be intentional in including everybody when able and when possible. So I'm not suggesting you bust people in. If your community is monoethnic, then your church should reflect that. However, if your community is very diverse and it's got multiple ethnicities, then it should reflect that as well. Why? Because we're inclusive. This gospel, as we just read in several passages, is for everybody. And everybody has an opportunity to come and experience the love and power of Jesus Christ. The reality of it is when the Lord tells us all, he is literally shattering the barriers of discrimination. So we have to ask ourselves, when we are engaging, when we are doing life with others, are we doing life with everybody? Are we extending an invitation 
for everybody to come and be a part. These are the things that we have to ask ourselves. And the only way that we can do that is simply by confronting it, having a very transparent and authentic conversation with ourselves and the Lord. The reality of it is you and I cannot change anything unless we're willing to confront it. And we have to be willing to confront it if we're going to experience change. I love the boldness of Paul in Galatians chapter 2. Uh, in verse 11, if you read the entire book, you'll 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 understand that he's coming out of the gate and he's not really playing any games. He's remarkably passionate about this experience he's had with the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the first chapter, he's letting everybody know that he didn't get this from man, uh, that uh, he got this from the Lord. And if anybody, even an angel, were to preach something else, let them be a curse. So he's just swinging right hook and uppercuts one after the other. Then he begins to tell us in a very candid way of how he interacts with the disciples and how they extended to him the right hand of fellowship and just kind of told him, hey, just don't forget to take care of the poor. And Paul was eager to do so. Then he begins to tell us how he confronts Peter. Now, one of the sins that Jesus has a strong disdain for, obviously all sin, uh, Jesus has a disdain for. But I wanna be clear in the beginnings of, of his ministry, the Sermon on the Mount, he attacks hypocrisy, which literally just means you're an actor, you're a performer, you're a fraud, if you will. In the 11th verse of chapter two of Galatians, Paul says, but when Cephas, being Peter, came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he was eating with the Gentiles. But when they came, he drew back and separated himself, fearing the circumcision party. The reality is this. Paul confronted what was wrong. He called Peter right out <laughs> and basically says, bro, you're a performer. You're a hypocrite. Now, I'm not saying that you need to stand up like Paul did to Peter uh, and call him out, but I am saying you need to not just generally attack racism. If you see an injustice, you have a responsibility. I have a responsibility to do more than just say racism is wrong. I have a responsibility to confront it, confront it into my, confront myself and say, why am I okay with just this? general platitude and thinking that's sufficient. I need to be called to action. I need to be called to see what I can do and have a conversation with my brothers of color or my sisters of color to see how they've been impacted and what their thoughts are. I have a responsibility to listen. And when we begin to confront it, I believe the world will see that we have the answer because we have bodies of Christ in local communities all over where Latinos and African-Americans and Caucasians and Asians, and we can go down the list, everything in between are together celebrating the goodness of Jesus Christ, because he is the one who allows us and empowers us to transcend racism. Here are a couple of things I want you to consider as I get ready to conclude. I want you to understand the benefits that come along with diversity. I want you to embrace diversity. It makes us richer. 
if you will. It makes the body of Christ and it makes your local church, your youth ministry, your young adult ministry more vibrant. It stretches us and it exposes us and it shows us how remarkable God is and how he created us. So I want you to embrace diversity. I also want to encourage you as you confront it in your own life or maybe in the life uh, of somebody else, I want you to do that with grace and with mercy. I want you to do it in a way that's inviting to have a conversation. And you'll find yourself being a proponent of racial reconciliation. Third, I want you to have a vision when every time you come together, God is bringing every culture so that the church can be all that God created the church to be so that people can be all that God has created them to be. We have a responsibility. I feel like I have a responsibility to cultivate intentionally uh, racial reconciliation and healing and promote that everybody is here. So one of the things that I do, everybody is included in every level of what we do. I want there to be diversity represented in our ministry team and our staff, uh, and our, those that are performing or ministering in ministry in every way. I want that to be reflected. And when people see that, they understand that they too can be a part. And then lastly, I would simply say, celebrate, celebrate diversity. Andy Stanley said uh, in another context, what gets celebrated gets repeated. And it's true. I would encourage you to celebrate diversity. Celebrate the fact that God has brought us from not only uh, different uh, colors, uh, different walks of life, different social backgrounds, different economic backgrounds, and he transcends all of that. And when we celebrate that, what we're saying is he has preeminence. Jesus Christ has preeminence in our lives, and we can continue to glorify him regardless of the color of our skin. I hope you found this helpful today. These are just a few things that are on my heart that I wanted to share with you. And I hope that they're a blessing and give you an opportunity to have further conversation as it relates to racism in and outside of the church. I'll now turn it over to Brother Justin Rankin. Thanks, Brother Thompson. We appreciate your time and uh, the investment in those that will listen to this topic um, for weeks and possibly even years to come. And of course, this is something that we are it is, as you addressed at the very beginning, is in our culture today. And I am so thankful for you taking the time to to start out and get this conversation going. Um, and your biblical, obviously, this is this is the perspective we need to take instead of it being opinion based. But I loved how you talked about that our first job when we're followers is to love him and then to love others. And if we're not careful, racism can be found, obviously, rooted in pride and arrogance and that something must be done about it. Can you help uh, maybe give us some tips for the youth workers that are going to be listening to this in the future? Um, some things that maybe they can they can watch out for in their group, maybe some some early signs that um, they could watch for in their youth ministry, in their church culture of, OK, we better be careful because we're finding ourselves going down the wrong path. Obviously, we can be proactive with teaching, but what are some other things um, maybe that we can watch for to see, all right, we may have a, a, an attitude problem within our group or some pride. Um, can you talk to us just maybe a minute about that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm glad to do so. One of the things that I would say 
that I would begin to look for are clicks, if you will. Now, there'll always be uh, various uh, oikuses or groups within groups that connect with one another uh, and do so very naturally due to personality dispositions or temperaments, whatever the case, interest, whatever the case may be. However, as you begin to observe how these relationships or these groups are formed, uh, you want to be very aware of how they're forming and perhaps not necessarily why, but what the optics look like. Uh, so often what can happen is uh, if you, depending upon your background and your upbringing, for me personally, and I'll make this personal, uh, I can have a very different interaction, though I'm being authentic to myself, uh, how that manifests itself if I am with uh, people of color specifically, African-Americans, um, the dialogue, uh, my temperament, my disposition may be very different uh, as if I were with uh, Caucasian brothers or Latino brothers, if you will. Uh, and that's because of upbringing, that's because of exposure, and God has had to challenge and stretch me uh, as well. And so I think there needs to be a bit of intentionality uh, why people will naturally have a default. As leaders, we need to observe uh, be aware and intentionally try to bring people together. Uh, and so one of the things that we did, it's been uh, a number of years, but I think it's still very effective, but I'm dating myself with youth ministry, uh, is right out of the gate when we would have meetings or gatherings, we would always have 15 to 20 minutes uh, of uh, mixers or crowd breakers, if you will, that would get people out of their shells, pull them together, and I would be very intentional as to how we would form the teams. And the crowd breakers and mixers would always be team related. Uh, and if not, um, it would be, uh, if there were instances where an individual or two would be performing from the team, we wanted to make sure that those teams were diverse. And uh, that helped us uh, attack what might allow some people to go to their default of, well, I'm going to hang out with my black peers or I'm going to hang out with my white peers or Latino. Uh, we initially or immediately brought everybody together. So I would try to be aware of those uh, groups that are forming, even though there might not necessarily be anything wrong with it or ill-intended. Uh, however, at the same time, we can overcome some things by being intentional and uh, creating uh, diversity and inclusion right away. That's wonderful, that's great. That's a great everyday tip for the youth worker. Um, you, you spoke about uh, trying not to force um, diversity, you know, in your church, your church and your ministry need to reflect what your community is. And you talked about, um, you know, just having having one culture used a phrase there. But let's talk about a little bit about um, different regions of North of North America. I know you personally have lived in three different regions um, throughout the time that I have known you. And um, how that racism in different in different areas can even take on different things and, and how you how you approach it um, within regions and this isn't to pick on any region or, or whatever but but I think anywhere we go where there are people there are going to be different people than us so how what are maybe some lessons you have learned in moving from here to here to here of this stays the same and then I've had to approach this differently yeah, uh, I have found uh, in the state specifically, uh, I'm now in, in Toronto, Canada. So it's, it's really difficult to compare and contrast in one sense because Canada is very different than uh, the good old US of A. Uh, in that uh, 
I would say this, and let me just kind of preface my remarks, and then I'll speak specifically to what you asked. I consider um, Canada to be uh, more of a mosaic, specifically uh, the Toronto area. I can't speak for all of Canada, uh, as I'm not as familiar with it, but Toronto itself is more of a mosaic uh, where you have people who retain what I consider to be their cultural identity uh, and have even enclaves, uh, yet they have this interdependence um, and they're still kind of, they kind of find that in it to be their Canadian identity. Uh, and there isn't, when you think about a Canadian, at least again, this is from my limited perspective here in Toronto, there isn't a specific profile However, uh, in the United States, I think it's more of a melting pot where you will ultimately do what Americans do, um, at least in, in my experience. And I think when you think about the profile uh, of an American, you come up with a very different profile than you would um, in Canada. So uh, what I have found is, uh, Racism is going to be, not, I would not necessarily say prevalent, but I've experienced it many different fronts in the States. Uh, some leaders are more aware of it than others and have been very intentional in, in attacking it. And I think that's the key. The one thing that I appreciate about all the stops that I've had um, in the States is that there was such an intentionality uh, about being inclusive uh, that really helped in my mind grow the church. Every church that I was a part of, by the grace of God, was a growing church. And I believe uh, it was a growing church because it was a browning church. And when I say that, I say that uh, there was a healthy percentage of Caucasians. There was a healthy percentage of African-Americans. There was a healthy percentage of Latinos and Asians. And there was just this beautiful hue, if you will. Every color on the spectrum was there and included and celebrate it. Uh, and that was wonderful to see. Uh, and I feel like in densely populated metropolitan areas where you're gonna have a great deal of diversity, uh, you need to pursue that and you need to be intentional about it. Again, you mentioned uh, mono-ethnic situations. If you're in a rural community, it's less likely to be as diverse. However, I will say this, that in either case, whether you're in a densely populated area or if you're in a rural area, uh, that is not as diverse and is not as populated, I would say that we have a responsibility to be proponents of reconciliation. And we do that by being empathetic to others. We have to be very careful with what we post via social media uh, and realize that uh, it could be very divisive uh, and it could be, it could ignite a firestorm in our community. Uh, let's be proponents of of, of, of conversations, healthy conversations and love. And what I would simply say is, let's be historically empathetic uh, when there are injustices uh, that revolve around race or what the media frames revolves around race and people are having these conversations. Let's be historically empathetic. Let's be empathetic in general. Let's listen and let's not be so quick to con uh, present a conclusion uh, and get more information. Let's seek to understand and I've been blessed that in all of those communities that I was a part of, in many cases, the leadership there was quick to seek to understand. Um, and that was very helpful. So I would say be, be empathetic, be empathetic historically. And I'm speaking specifically now as a black man, I would appreciate historic empathy uh, from my white brothers and sisters. And then 
I would say let's be intentional uh, about seeking to understand and having important conversations. Absolutely, absolutely wonderful, wonderful points and great, great discussion and great topic today. Thank you so much for your time, Brother Thompson. We could go on and on and on for, for what would seem like days just talking about this because it's people. And obviously we know Jesus Christ you know, went to that cross for all of us. And I loved how you addressed those points. Um, as we wrap up this podcast today, I just want to encourage the youth worker out there that's listening that if you want to speak this to your uh, youth group, go back to the beginning of this podcast and go through and write down the points um, that Brother Akil shared here. There's some great scriptural references, some great principles that you could take even a week, maybe even break it down to two or three weeks and make a series out of it. Um, there's some great material here that you wouldn't have to look any farther into another book except the Bible and this good teaching from our apostolic brother. Thank you, Brother Thompson. We appreciate your time. And we are going to turn the remainder of this podcast over to Brother Michael Thomas, our director of promotion, as he closes out this recording for us and shares a few things with you. Thanks again. Well, Brother Thompson, it's been so great to have you on today's podcast. And as usual, you have masterfully articulated what we needed to hear about how there is no room for racism in the church or in the kingdom of God. I thank you, my friend, for helping us out today. If you're listening to this podcast and you're getting kind of anxious because you realize that the Christmas holiday season's right around the corner and you have gifts to buy for your family, friends, and loved ones, let me encourage you today, if you have not done so, to go to upciyouth.com and check out our new online store. Maybe you're looking for a P7 pop socket for your friend, perhaps an AYC water bottle for your mom. Or maybe you just want to get a hyphen hoodie for yourself. I encourage you to go online, check out our newly redesigned Youth Ministries online store. And now I want to close this podcast with a word of prayer. Lord Jesus, thank you so much for Brother Thompson, his incredible ministry and insight that he shared with us today. God, I pray that you bless every youth worker who has taken time out to listen to today's podcast. I pray that we would Apply the principles that we've heard, Lord. Help us to be a unified church, God, and to realize that we can accomplish more if we are unified and bonded together in peace. Lord, I pray that you would keep us all safe, God, as we uh, go our separate ways, Lord, and as we endeavor to lead our youth ministries and young people deeper into their callings and into a more powerful experience with you. We pray all this and ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Once again, thank you for listening to today's podcast, which is made possible by your generous giving to She's for Christ.